Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have... Morgana Best. Yes, we do. And y'all, it is so good. It's so good. It's about direct sales. And really, that was something I thought I wasn't interested in. And I'm super interested in it now. Yeah. <laughs> this, it reminded me of the uh, Kickstarter episode. Yes. When we got done, we were like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. many know, possibilities. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 and of course, Sarah will try this first and then I will decide if I'm going to do it. But after <laughs> she tries it, it was really a great episode. It was, and I've decided I have too many things on my plate right now, and I cannot do direct sales right now, but <laughs> I hope to do them someday. <laughs> but yes, we talked about all kinds of really interesting things, not just like setting up your store. We talked about like, um, we learned that none of us know what SMS marketing is, but no. it doesn't. we don't need to know. It's texting, yeah. marketing through text, which authors are not doing that. We talked about influencer marketing mm-hmm. and um, you know, kind of how to get started and yeah. kind of what you need to think about for direct mm-hmm. sales mm-hmm. before you dive in. Yeah. yeah Lots of good awesome. tips. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. Yeah. So what's been going on with you this week? Well, I am doing the final things for my Kickstarter. It's going to launch next mm-hmm. Tuesday. Oh my gosh. And I know I'm like super nervous, but I'm, I'm doing it. I posted in a bunch of groups. Say there's several Facebook groups about um, uh, Kickstarter for authors. Mm-hmm. And so I posted and I had to uh, list the dates and links. And so I am committed. It is going live when actually the day this goes out. Mm. So um, that's exciting. I know. And terrifying at the same yeah. time. <laughs> so, I know. Oh. But um, I'm just working on that. And, you know, the recommendation is from Monica and Russell is to email your list frequently during mm-hmm. the campaign. And so I've been setting up some emails to go out, like mm-hmm. drafting them and stuff. So mm-hmm. basically I'm just doing kind of, mm-hmm. you know, nothing super exciting like admin work. Mm-hmm. But um, I did want to mention that um, Book Funnel, I've gotten several emails from them this week for their, um, about new features they have. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them is um, that you can watermark things like if you like they've always said they've always included yeah. the watermark yeah but now you arts. can make it visible and you can choose where it goes and then um i can't remember there were like three or four and then they have a couple more announcements coming so oh wow just keep an eye on book funnel yeah they're always doing interesting they're so things. innovative yeah, yeah. And, and then and the thing i've loved about book funnel and even the way it started it it directly meets a specific need of authors. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's how it started and that's how it's continued to operate. And that's what I love so much yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that they had is now you can go in and create samples mm-hmm. through book funnel. So people can read a sample of your work and they, I think that I haven't tried it yet, but I think it's like they use whatever you've uploaded. So you don't mm-hmm. have to upload a separate like PDF or whatever. Oh, that's good. Yeah. 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 So like if you want to share a sample of your work, so mm-hmm. lots of cool stuff. And then I just got an email that um, Spotify is going to be doing audiobooks. Mm. And if you're in Find a Way, you can opt in. Oh, so, really? Yes. 
So they are, um, haven't looked into that either because mm-hmm. I'm a little no. busy right now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Next week, I'll be checking all this stuff out. Yeah. Anyway, that's, so that's what I'm cool. doing. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing? Uh, more of the same. More of the same. Actually, we've had a very good week. I think with my sister being off camps, uh, being off chemo, uh, she's much less foggy headed and uh, she's more alert. She feels better. Um, you know, we're still on the same path, but we've had two um, instances and however you feel about miracles is however you feel about miracles, but I, we're calling them miracles two times because my sister hasn't been able to see now for five weeks, mm-hmm. um, two times yesterday, one when her son was here and one when her daughter came back, she got her sight back the first time for about 10 minutes, the second time for about a minute. And then later that evening, she got it back for a few minutes, but she was able to see wow. her son and daughter. And wow. I mean, y'all, that is just amazing. There are all kinds of reasons why I'm sure, but for us, that's just a miracle because no one knew why she had lost her sight. She doesn't mm-hmm. have a tumor on it, uh, on the optic nerve. There's not one in the occipital part of the brain. There's just no reason, but she lost her sight. And mm-hmm. um, so that was a good day. You know, I mean, when you're in a situation like we're in, you you really, really treasure the good days. And, yeah. Uh, that was a good day. I mean, she's um, not being on the chemo could be a reason, I'm sure. And um, she's taking more steroid now than she was. But, yeah, we're just so, whatever the reason, we're just so mm-hmm. grateful because that was hard. She has an 11 year old daughter and a 22 year old son. And so it was just great that she got to see their faces. And um, Mm. yeah, I mean, she knew she was like talking about what they were wearing and everything. So she, yeah, it was amazing. And, um, but it's just more the same. It's hard. I've, I've kind of been in a little bit, even though yesterday was a great day, I've been in a little bit of a funk yesterday and today, but I think it's just, you know, what we're going through. But we've yeah. also had really, really precious days and precious time with her. And, you know, our family is just nuts. So <laughs> there's been some really funny times, too. So anyway, we are uh, we're hanging in there. But, well, I'm glad that yeah. you have that she got that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she got that. So mm-hmm. and you guys, you also have their a friend of the family set up a GoFundMe yes. campaign for that, right? They did. So. People have asked, you know, what they, can they do? And this is something that people yeah. could do to help if they're interested. So we'll yeah. put the link in the show notes. Okay. Does that sound I mean, good? It, yes, that's perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, the great thing about GoFundMe is that, you know, it's like explaining it. My parents, they just, they can't get it. And <laughs> it's I'm like, like trying to play, explain Kickstarter to people. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, why would people do that? And I was like, because people want to help. And like in this small town, there are people that really want to do something, but they can't really, you know, they, they don't have a lot of money and they don't, Mm -hmm. but they can give $10 and a 10 Mm -hmm. or even a $5 donation that adds up. Like it all added up. And my sister and her husband, they were both breadwinners. I mean, Mm -hmm. they depend on her salary. And Mm -hmm. um, so it would just help him. Uh, She's Mm -hmm. a teacher. So there aren't a lot, there aren't a ton of benefits. She doesn't, he can't get access to all of her retirement because of the way the teacher fund is set up in her district. And um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a little thing to give her and, and it just gives her such peace of mind, but mm-hmm. you know, no one is expected to give at all, but if you, you know, if you want yeah, to, no pressure, no, not at if all. You, just gonna... your thoughts and your, your comments to me have been so, I've said this every time I've, we've had an episode, but it's just, I can't tell you how much that meant. So thank you so, so much. Yeah. And I was thinking that, um, GoFundMe is great because you can only make so many casseroles and you can only eat oh, so many yeah. casseroles, right? <laughs> and believe me, we've tried our best <laughs> to eat them all. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It, we kind of got low on desserts and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, what are we going to do? Huh? Yeah. And then today, <laughs> three, my daughter came, made two desserts. Somebody else brought a dessert and then she made some soup and... Then somebody brought in, I am telling y'all, the pan of lasagna was as big as like a, a standard wow. pillow that you sleep wow. on. It was giant. So, but there aren't a lot of us. So um, <laughs> it'll probably y'all get eaten, but it's been fun. It's anyway. been, it's been fun seeing people. It's been sad, but it's been so good too. I, I just, I'm so grateful. So, so grateful that I can do this and, and still sell books and still mm-hmm. Still keep your business running. And still keep yeah. my business running, y'all. I just can't tell you how grateful I am for that. So anyway, that's that's me. So um, but Morgana's episode is great. So we should probably yes. get on with that. Yes. It's a lot happier than what I'm talking about. So <laughs> <laughs> and it's very, very interesting. So yeah. oh, anyway, so, so here's Morgana and all about direct sales. All right, bye-bye. So today we're really happy to talk with Morgana Best. Hi, Morgana. How are you? Hi, how are you? Oh, we're great. We're great. We're happy you're here. We're very interested to talk about direct sales with you. Yes, and learn all about it. Yeah. All your, all your tips and details and ideas, because I think you probably have a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let me read your bio and we'll get into the questions. USA Today bestselling author Morgana Best started selling print direct in 1993 in ebooks as well as print direct from her website in 2003. In 2007, indie authors turned to the retailers, but now the tide is turning back to selling direct. Morgana writes nonfiction under her name, Morgana S. Best. And she has a book about direct selling, and we'll talk about all that. So we're uh, excited to talk about direct sales. Yeah, we are. So tell us how you got into writing, Morgana. How I got into writing. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Well, I wanted to be an artist. Mm-hmm. My parents were extremely strict and they thought artists and writers and actors were terrible people. Mm. Like when I was five, I went to a school play and came home and like as a five-year-old child said I wanted to be an actor. And my father had an absolute fit. Oh. And spent ages explaining to me that that wasn't a suitable occupation. <laughs> oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. When I was about seven, I submitted a book to a publisher. <laughs> and it was on coloured paper. And they kindly wrote back to me because, obviously, I said my age. My mother helped me send it away uh-huh. and said, next time submit it on white paper, not coloured paper. <laughs> And then when I was in high school, I wanted to do art. Mm-hmm. But my parents said I couldn't do art. I had to do two languages. So it was 
quite horrible for me, but I got my way in the end and I did do art. But actually one of my friends went to art school. I have two best friends. One became a maths teacher and the other one actually went to art school and became quite a well-known artist. So, yeah, I was always sad I couldn't do art, but I always liked writing. Mm -hmm. And when I became an academic, um, literature was part of all that. Mm -hmm. But I was doing non-fiction because as an academic, it's publish or perish, kind Mm -hmm. of like being an author. (laughs) And you have to do academic articles all the time as well as have lots of students. Mm -hmm. So... I think that's where I've got my rat on the treadmill mentality from that I'm trying to get out of now because it was kind of like that as an academic. Right. Just busy, busy, go, 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 go all the time. You know what it's like? Mm-hmm. So how did you transition from academic writing to fiction? Mm. Well, I taught fiction basically. So I was teaching literature and but I was putting out a lot of non-fiction books and I had a boarder at the time who had had a friend of mine who'd had a terrible breakup with her husband and she said, you should write fiction. And I went, don't be ridiculous, I can't write fiction, you must be mad. She said, yeah. but like you've been teaching literature and I said, yes, but I can't write it. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I wrote a science fiction because I've always been a mad Doctor Who fan but it wasn't like two genre. It was what I wanted to write. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a big disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I started out with that and then I did fantasy. But I've always loved Agatha Christie. I like twists mm-hmm. and I like murders. <laughs> <laughs> so my secret pen name writes Sweet and Clean Romance and I find it really difficult because I'm always wanting to kill people. Mm. And I love research, so I love researching poisons and ways to kill people. I'm very excited Like the other day I had a water filter installed on the outside of my house because the where I live in Brisbane, the chlorine smell is like really ghastly. Mm-hmm. And the guy had sore eyes. And he pulled out his eyedropper bottle and said, I've just got to excuse me, I have to put this in my eyes. And I said, do you know that stuff can kill you? It's tetrahydrosoline. So I started, and he was like, ah! I said it was in that movie Wedding Crashes where they gave it to someone as a joke. But then sadly a lot of people did try that and it made them as a prank but it yeah. made them very ill mm-hmm. and I explained all the symptoms and he didn't put them in his eyes in the end. <laughs> he said he was going to look for a different brand. But <laughs> I get very excited about murders and poisons. <laughs> I probably need to be committed or something, but that's what I'm enjoying. It sounds doing. totally normal to me. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I knew you'd understand. <laughs> Well, what is your definition of success? We like to ask because it seems like everybody has a different one, you know. Well, I've been extremely poor in my lifetime, so I like to have, like, financial success. Mm -hmm. But I know people who make a lot of money and they don't live in a nice house because they don't want to spend the money. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm just thinking of one relative in particular who has a huge amount of money, doesn't have a mortgage, owns her own house, and she won't spend a cent on her house mm. because she has to keep like hoarding the money. So my definition of success would be happiness mm-hmm. because I like to have nice things around me and mm-hmm. like I can't write. Well, I do, but I can't write if there's a mess. I like to have everything clean and tidy. So if I, someone said to me once, if you had millions and millions of dollars, would you still do what you're doing now? And I thought, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. You take money out of the equation and think if you had plenty of money, would you be doing exactly what you're doing now? And if you are to me, that is success mm-hmm. because you're loving what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think to me the definition of success is to have enough to meet your needs so you're not stressed mm-hmm. because people who say money doesn't bring happiness are people with lots of money. <laughs> so it mightn't bring happiness by itself, but it takes away a lot of stress. So mm-hmm. I don't think of it like you make seven figures is successful mm-hmm. because I think it depends on an individual. And as authors, there are always other authors who are or the whole idea, I think, is trying to push us to achieve more and more and more, which mm-hmm. I don't think is healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're happy with ourselves, it's like weight loss, isn't it? I think it's like you could always be thinner or healthier. And if I don't work out, I'm overcome with guilt for the day. I think that's not a good idea. I should just say, I'm not going to work out. Who cares? And I think it's the same with success, with being an author. If you've got, if you're making enough for your needs and you're happy with what you're doing, to me, that's huge success. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. And I agree because that was on the, got to make six figures, got to make seven figures track. And now I, what I've realized is I don't have to make all the money. I just have to make enough money to meet our needs and have a little bit extra. And then that takes a lot of pressure off. And it also makes me happier because I'm not so yeah nose to the grindstone, though there are those that would argue I've never been nose to the grindstone. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, tell us what you wish you'd known about writing and craft when you started. Oh, gosh, about writing. Um, let me think. I Well, I wish I'd known when I was a little kid not to submit. Paper. <laughs> paper. Paper. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was bad. But I think what I needed to know, well, it's more on the marketing side that I didn't know, like, because I taught literature for years and years, Mm -hmm. but what I didn't know, oh, yes, I tried to make it like literary. Mm -hmm. My first fiction was literary, but genre fiction is not literary. Genre Mm -hmm. fiction, and the whole aim of genre fiction is to tell a very good story. Yes. And because I was a researcher, I always tried to put, in too many facts, mm-hmm. which is a big mistake. So, yeah, I wish I'd known then about genre fiction. And also to I discovered that you've really got to write what you love. But I don't really love what my secret pen name writes, but 
it's not, it's fine. I can write that because mm. I write clean and sweet mm. as cozy mysteries, and she writes clean and sweet, and I'm comfortable in that niche. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a lot of I've had author friends starting out and they thought, okay, romance writers make the most money. So they try to write romance, but mm-hmm. they find it very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can write, and it's also part of your branding, it's not like your brand is your authentic self, who mm-hmm. you are. So I wish I'd known then to sit in my lane and find out what sort of things I like to write. Like, obviously, I like. I love Agatha Christie, mm-hmm. so obviously I love mysteries. I like twists and not knowing who it is. I love red herrings and I like po- like poisoning people in books, not in real life. Um, <laughs> Good to know if we ever come to dinner at your house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I was going to say you'd be perfectly safe, but with my cooking, I don't think you would. Be. We would bring takeout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very wise, very wise. I'll bring the wine, yes. Oh, I was about to say don't forget the wine. (laughs) Well, Well, I think that's very true, that sometimes it takes a while to figure out what you want to write, and there's Mm -hmm. a tendency in the beginning to think, oh, this genre is big and this genre is hot, and, and let's go that direction, even if that's not like you're what you feel the closest affinity to. Sometimes it takes a while to figure that out. So did you make any other um, assumptions um, at the beginning of your writing career? And then looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? Any other things that you can remember that you thought in the beginning? I'm not someone who makes assumptions because as a researcher, I always research everything to the nth degree, like over-research everything. But... I do remember writing non-fiction and I had a couple of books that didn't sell as well as the others and I thought, okay, if I sell, because I wanted at that time I wanted to make a living as a writer, mm-hmm. and which I did with fiction but not non-fiction, and I thought if I, I've got one book selling for X amount, if I write another five books that mm-hmm. sell for X amount, <laughs> yeah. then I'll make X amount. <laughs> That didn't work, but that's what I was thinking at the time. That is true. Yeah, it doesn't always work that way, does it? (laughs) No, No. but I'm extremely mathematically challenged, so that's the way my mind works. So I thought, yeah, big epic fail. (laughs) Well, there used to be kind of a mantra, you know, like by the time you're writing five books or six books or whatever you'll be making X and Mm -hmm, that's definitely not, Mm -mm. not predictable at all. (laughs) Mm -mm. (laughs) Not at all anymore. (laughs) Well, what's the biggest mindset change you've uh, had to make during your career? Gosh, well, I think basically not that a mindset shift. I think it was basically just accepting I could write fiction Mm. and I didn't think I could. But I'm always someone who feels daunted, like I had my own website, so I was selling direct. But when Kindle came along, I, w- I was already selling on Create Space. I started, I think, when they were book search and then Amazon bought them. Mm-hmm. I was in that transition time, so that was like years and years ago. And then when Kindle came along, I thought, oh, gosh, there's no way I can do this. This was the most incredibly daunting thing. And eventually I watched a 
like the KDP video. And I thought, oh, okay, I can do that. And I did it. And then Smashwords, I didn't put any books up on Smashwords for ages because that was the aggregator at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, there wasn't any draft to digital. And I thought, oh, gosh, no, this is too daunting. And it took me a long time. Mm. I've always felt that way about new things like, you know, get some flat pack furniture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> together at the top of the I just look at it for like a month and think, there's no way there's no mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. then I eventually do it and it's fine yeah fine mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's fine mm-hmm. but I think that's with selling direct as well because a lot of people are too scared to start and they're terrified of making mistakes mm-hmm. but mistakes are part of the learning process and I like to think of them as discoveries or testing mm-hmm. Rather than mistakes, so I think it was the mindset shift was to have a go mm-hmm. and not be afraid. Just have a go, mm-hmm. just do it. Yeah, yeah, I love that because I have a tendency to overthink everything, and and I love research too. And so part of my delaying tactic is to research everything until I um, know everything. And you're never going to know everything. Sometimes you just have to dive in and do it. So yeah, I don't have that problem. <laughs> Jamie's an activator. She goes. <laughs> right. Oh, right. Then I have to fix it later, but oh well. Yeah. But you've done something. So that's good too. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of direct sales, what what do authors need to think about before they begin selling direct? So this is me getting my research question out of the way. What decisions do we need to make before we kind of launch into selling direct or preparing to sell direct? Well, the main thing is to have a go, as I said, but also decide what your objectives are. Now, these objectives obviously could change over time, but if you have, it's like plotting, you know, like whether you're a pencil or a plotter, the same can be applied to direct sales. Um, now, you could think, okay, I have a plan, which is like a plot, but that could change. Like if you have a plot, you might get halfway and decide someone else is the murderer or you might want to do something different. It's the same with direct sales, but it is a good idea to have an outline to start with. Where do you want to go with this? Do you want to build a business or do you want to have a store that you can treat as another retailer and not basically touch it, just put up buy buttons on your website? Mm-hmm. Because having an idea of where you want to go is very important to the initial steps you make. Mm-hmm. And also, are you entrepreneurial at all? If you're not, then mm-hmm. just have buy buttons on your site and treat it as another retailer. Mm-hmm. And if you like the marketing site or if you only like the writing site and you don't mm-hmm. like the marketing site at all and you don't want to do anything entrepreneurial, then don't maybe don't launch it. Don't have an right. objective to have a big direct selling business. Mm-hmm. So it's about the type of person that you are and what your objectives are. And it's a good idea to figure those out first because that will dictate the way you go with direct selling. Yeah, that makes that a makes lot of sense. Total sense, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what are your recommendations for someone just starting out with direct sales? Does it depend on their goals or is there yes. kind of a mutual starting place and then you can go off in either direction? Well, you could, but it would be better if you if your objectives were to have another, to be another retailer, basically. And if you're someone who 
doesn't want to build a business and you love the writing and you despise mm-hmm. everything else and the thought of marketing gives you the cold chills and turns you to day drinking, then <laughs> pay him or something like that would be a good idea uh-huh. and integrate it with your website. But if you do have, if you are entrepreneurial at all, Shopify for sure mm-hmm. because the author mindset typically looks thinks all the shop fronts are the same, I'll pick the one that suits me. Mm-hmm. But for a serious business, it's Shopify. It leaves everything else for dead. Mm-hmm. And it's just chalk and cheese. And all the big brands use Shopify. Shopify currently has a Shopify, a Shopify starter plan at $5 a month. Wow. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't give you an actual storefront, but it gives you everything else. And it's a very good way to start. And then you can transition to the actual storefront. Mm-hmm. And you can also, like I've had people say to me, I don't like Shopify, it looks very basic. But I don't know what they've been looking at because Shopify, you can customise it to however you want. Like my website is my Shopify store and mm-hmm. if people go to it, they wouldn't realise it's a store. They'll think it's an actual website. Right. You can do so much. Mm. with it so I think if that's the thing to do is to still decide which way you want to go and if you think at any point you will want to have a big like push your being uh, direct sales then you mm-hmm. should definitely go with Shopify because you know at five dollars a month you can't really beat that and then you can have buy buttons on your website you can get used to the system because it's not Selling direct isn't like, oh, yes, I've uploaded all my books to this retailer, might throw a few ads, goodbye, off to write another book. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. It's a learning curve and it's a process. It mm-hmm. could take a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's a good idea to go slowly with it as well. You don't want to race in and try to do everything because if you do it slowly, you're building a good foundation and you're understanding right. how it all works from the beginning. And once you do, I always say it's like flat pack furniture. Like I'm mathematically challenged. I'm hopeless. Like <laughs> when the other states in Australia have daylight savings mm-hmm. and I've got two sons in different states, I have no clue what the time. I just cannot <laughs> figure out. It. I just can't. <laughs> to do flat pack furniture, like in the house I lived in before this, my we ripped, it was a like a renovator, my daughter, I, I ripped out the kitchen and my daughter and I put in an Ikea kitchen and all this flat pack furniture arrived. I was like, ah. <laughs> and then it took us like two days to put the first kitchen cabinet together. Mm-hmm. And then right. it took us like 15 minutes to do the second one. And we just mm-hmm. went zip, zip, zip and did the rest, all the others in about an hour because once we knew the process, it was easy. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with a store. Once yeah. you sort of get the logic of it or know where it's going, mm-hmm. it's really, really easy. But a lot of people think, oh, gosh, I have a backlist of like 60 million books. I'm going to upload them all today mm-hmm. <laughs> or at once. We can't do that. <laughs> Just got to figure out. I always say make a site plan, draw it out on paper, old school, and see where you want to go with it, like, do you want to group your ebooks together? Do you want to group your print together? 
or do you want to group your series together mm -hmm. and have a really good think about it and mm -hmm. then go and have a look at non-book stores and see what you like about their websites and then have a look at some bookstores mm -hmm. and see what you like and make lots and lots of notes and really get into it first. Mm -hmm. Okay. That sounds great. Yeah, those are all great tips. And I've been, like, I was thinking there's all kinds of different ways to organize your store. Like you could do it like by series, by theme, by format. Um, have you seen any that are particularly successful that you would recommend or do you recommend people just go and find what fits them and their readers best? It's yes. Find what, find what suits them best and test it. But it's good to have everything nicely ordered because a site people have to find your products easily on your store, mm -hmm. and a lot of people might want to make it overly pretty or overly graphically beautiful. But if people can't find the products and buy them, it's a complete waste of time. So people have to be able. Things must be ordered clearly. Like if you have ebooks in three different series, don't just throw them all in an ebook section because yeah. people need to find yeah, the logical progression from book one to book two mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and so on. So you need to find a nice logical, and I say this, I'm not logical at all, but you <laughs> do need to have a nice you know, logical order in your store so people mm -hmm. can find your products. Mm -hmm. It's got to be ordered so they can find stuff. Okay. Sounds good. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Good sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you have any tips for authors who are more advanced in direct sales? I'm not. I'm still consider myself a beginner. But if there are any listeners that are already doing direct sales, um, what would you recommend for somebody who's further down the road than yeah. Jamie and I? <laughs> well, I would say get straight onto Clavio and okay. don't migrate your old list over. Like I've got a Clavio list, and I've still got my old MailerLite list. And if someone migrates to Clavio, I manually delete them from the other list, which is time-consuming, but it's worth it because Clavio is a specific e-commerce newsletter. Okay. And I do, and now you see, the retailer mindset is to do a lead magnet mm -hmm. and the e-commerce mindset is to do an offer, so you offer a discount. Mm. So with Clavio, you can have a pop-up and... You can test it to see when it should pop up, but a lot of people who've tested it, the conventional wisdom is to look and see how long someone spends on your website mm -hmm. and then time your pop-up mm -hmm. to pop up four seconds or five seconds before a visitor typically leaves. So when they arrive on your site, they're not getting hit in the face because if I go to a site and all these pop-ups get really <laughs> and I go, can I get out of it? So you don't want customers to feel like that. Right. So you can pop up to, with an offer, say a 10% discount or whatever you like, to capture their email address and then you can have an SMS, a dual SMS. Now, this has been tested a lot and it seems counterintuitive, but a double pop-up with capturing the email address and then the SMS is the best converting pop-up. Mm -hmm. But also on the sales page that someone's taken to when they purchase, it says, comes up, thank you for your purchase, red blog, blah, blah, blah. 
that has a 100% open rate. So you can upsell someone there. You can also capture, I capture their birthday, so I can, mm-hmm. and I've got it automatically set up to send them a discount coupon on the birthday. But that's a good place to upsell. So because books typically are low price, high mm-hmm. volume, our average order value might be like, I mean, average product value might be $5, whereas it's usually $50. So there's a huge discrepancy there. Mm-hmm. But we can upsell someone. So if someone has a box set of, say, 25 books, they could put a nice high price on that and upsell at that point. So mm-hmm. when someone gets to the page and it says, thank you, Fred Blogs, for your purchase, it'll come up with a timer, say, five minutes and it'll count down or 10 minutes and it will count down to get this for 30% off, but you've already got a high price on it because it's like 25 e-books. Mm-hmm. Or some people just do a discount at that point. You've got five minutes to or 10 minutes to take a further 10% off anything in the store. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Okay, so for those of us like me, please explain what SMS marketing is. <laughs> oh, yes. Look, I love SMS marketing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, with SMS, the, an SMS subscriber is considered far more valuable. than an And so what does SMS stand for? No clue. Oh, it's te- okay. It's oh, texting, right? Text <laughs> marketing. <laughs> marketing. <laughs> so it's one of those things we don't need to know what the yeah, SMS okay. stands for. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now I'm intrigued. I'll have to Google I thought, that. I thought maybe it was so many sales, but okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just text messages on your phone. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. Okay. So but let's talk has, about that. Yeah. Well, it has um, typically a 98% open rate. So really? you can see that completely eclipses email. Now, obviously, you're not going to send them your newsletter and tell them that mm-hmm. you had your dog's claws clipped and send them a photo of how you've yeah. painted yeah. front door. But right. you send them like this is my new release or mm-hmm. I've got a pre-order or mm-hmm. a new discount code like it's September yay mm-hmm. gives them an excuse here's 10% and it right. really works well and typically people open it within 30 seconds of receiving it not like emails mm-hmm. and it has a very high very high click-through rate like 35% typically click-through rate wow so yeah, it's really good to get those SMS subscribers to your store. So, so when you're when you're gathering information, then you would get their email and their phone number, or you don't have to. You, there are pop ups which only collect SMS. Now, the okay. SMS rules are far stricter than email. You have to have explicit consent. Okay. Now, I know, like in some parts of the world, you do with all those initials. Because I'm mathematically challenged, I'll get you know GDP or whatever. You have to have explicit consent, but you do with SMS. But you can have a pop up that automatically collects it, so mm-hmm. someone can just click, and it will auto populate their phone number, which is good because a lot of people have typos. They mean to type in their yep. their phone number, but they'll you know make a mistake. But with this, it automatically collects their. Mm-hmm. Their phone number, but the you could do a dual pop up like I do, where it comes up 
and they put in their email address and then it says, oh, would you like to, some people offer them a further 10% off there. Mm -hmm. They will give you their phone number, their mobile, their cell phone number. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a really good one to do. And a lot of people think I'm not going to do that. No one would ever do that. It's too annoying. Mm -hmm. But the facts are that it actually is the best converting pop-up to have. Okay. Yeah. And that service is called what? Well, you can do that with some so some email service providers, but Clavio is the main Clavio? one. Clavio, okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. And then you can do things like a, with Clavio, you can set it up to do abandoned cart emails, abandoned mm-hmm. checkout emails, mm-hmm. win back flow. So if somebody last went on your site and bought a book from you six months ago mm-hmm. and then there's the crickets, you can send them an email, and which is wow. fabulous. Yeah. yeah. If someone's looking at your product and they look at it for a while and they don't buy it, you can send them an email as well. So it puts everyone into sectors. It puts them into people who've spent over a certain amount, which Shopify will tell you as well. But you can set up so many emails and the templates are super easy to use. Uh, even for someone who, like, hasn't done much email marketing, the templates are very easy mm-hmm. to use. They're all there for you and you just edit them. So mm-hmm. you don't really have to drag and drop too much. You just edit. So it's really quite good. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. This is fascinating. And it is so it's fascinating. something that... Um, I've explored a little bit with um, subscription boxes and book subscription book boxes. And I hear people talking about Clavio, like, or see it mentioned. So that gives me a better understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an example of like, you're doing one thing and then you find, and then the technology changes or the business changes. And you're like, yes, now I need this thing. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. You thought you were all set up in one area. And now maybe you need to move to another. Right. So, right. Yeah. That's so good. Well, uh, can we, Go back, Sarah, can we go back? Because I skipped a question, but I want to talk about the influencer marketer. Yes. Um, Is something authors don't consider. How can authors use influencer marketing? Well, if you've got Instagram or TikTok, Mm -hmm. basically if you're on Shopify, they have Shopify Collabs, which is a free app. It Mm -hmm. used to be called, uh, what did it used to be called? I've forgotten already. Um. I've actually forgotten what it used to be called. I need my It's coffee. okay. That's fine. <laughs> I a few weeks ago. Oh, gosh. But now we'll it's just look Shopify. for by collapse. <laughs> yeah. Collapse. Shopify collapse. And it's free, but it doesn't actually put you in touch with the influencers. It only gives you a way to research them because when you choose someone, you need to look at their engagement rates because the bigger ones buy a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, there was a reality TV show on Australia recently and they had influence a couple on. Mm-hmm. And my daughter looked and said, Mum, she's got, like, X amount of followers and they're all fake because mm-hmm. she had more than a, another influencer that's really big in Australia mm-hmm. and this person didn't really have any engagement at all or if it was, they were clearly fake, like, great product mm-hmm. if she was just showing herself and things like this. So the best thing you can do there are nano-influencers and micro-influencers, and they're usually defined in a couple of different ways. Or Mm -hmm. 
someone will define them as under 10,000, someone will define them as under 5,000 followers, mm-hmm. but typically they're better than getting a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people would think if I can get a big actor or a big reality star mm-hmm. to push my book, that's the best thing, but actually it's not because they usually don't have high engagement, whereas some, a nano or a micro-influencer has less than five or 10,000 followers and they usually have very high engagement rates mm-hmm. and their followers aren't expecting to be sold to because people don't usually use them mm-hmm. for marketing. So they're the ideal ones to get. Now, you've got to make sure you have, if you're using an, Insta- um, an Instagram influencer, that your content looks good or they might not want to work with you. Usually mm. if they're five to 5,000 followers, they might not so much care what your feed looks like, but mm-hmm. it should be cohesive and nicely branded. And then often they'll contact you mm. and say, you know, would you, my services are X amount for a shout-out. They'll usually say it's a certain rate for a shout-out, mm-hmm. a certain rate if you give them the video, a certain rate if they do the video, obviously far more expensive. And then if it's going to stay on their post permanently, it's a certain rate. But they will approach you. But if you approach them, look for books to grammars mm-hmm. and see if you any would be a good fit. So obviously if you write um, cosy mystery, you're not going to go to, say, an erotic romance books mm-hmm. to grammar. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, mm-hmm. but you just find someone who fits with what you write. Now you don't even have to stick with books to grammars because cozy people typically love cats. So you could go to a cat loving website, mm-hmm. a cat loving person, and say, and they don't even have to be like obviously not influencers, but just say, you know, would you be interested in working with me? And message them, like slide into their Mm -hmm. DMs, Mm -hmm. but show that you know something about them. And it's also a good idea to follow them for a while and interact with them for a few weeks. But make it clear that you know something about them because that will separate you from anyone else who's interested. And I always say, like, if they're vegan, don't say, like, if their thing is, you know, being vegan, don't say, will you... I've got leather handbags, for example. You've got to make sure that <laughs> it's congruent. It's a good fit, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, and otherwise you'll really annoy them if they're okay. passionate about something and you don't understand. Just say something, keep it brief, mm-hmm. but say something, don't make it generic. Of course, authors are very good at not doing the wrong things that mm-hmm. normal, like non-author people might do. Right, but right, right. Really keep it brief, but make it personal. It's got to be personal. Make them aware that they're doing this and then uh, tell them what would, you would like. And then they could come back and say, would you be interested in this? Mm-hmm. So it's like a relationship thing that you're building. So basically it's you just start a conversation, right, and kind of see exactly. where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now you can go on Shoutcart, which okay. is a website. There are several websites where you can just go on, find someone and click and buy online, just buy it service Mm -hmm. and you can 
like study them and see if they'd be a good fit. Mm-hmm. You always have to look at them though because I've looked at a lot and they sound really good on Shoutcart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not relevant. Mm-hmm. So if you're searching, you can't really search books because if you do, it might be they'll include someone who said, I read a book on <laughs> travelling to Spain. Right. Which is right. Not obviously a bookstagrammer, so you've mm-hmm. got to yeah, consider that. But just do your research and find people. But the main, the hardest thing to do is to find someone. But if you want to go to Shoutcart, and if you do find someone that will suit you, that's the easiest because you just pay and you see what you're getting up front. Mm-hmm. It shows you the engagement rates. Shopify Collabs does as well, but it won't get in touch with them for you. Right. So, yeah, Shoutcart. It's not a Shopify app. It's just a website. Okay. You can okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. great. Yeah, that's some great information there. Yeah, and something that is fairly new, I think, for authors. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was going to say, and this is the way of the future. Yeah, yes. I was going to say, you know, even maybe a year ago, influencer market marketing might have been a little bit like mm, maybe you shouldn't do that, or you know, it was. I don't know about frowned upon, but it wasn't organic, let's say. But now, I mean, it is the way of the future. That is how things are moving. And we need to stay, you know, kind of up to date and and relevant in in those situations. So I think that's great. Exactly. And to to look outside what authors do, Mm -hmm. um, when we look outside, all those big brands do it. They all do it. They've got Mm -hmm. like, I'll have someone on staff to manage yeah, that's just what they do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, I was just thinking, who can I hire to do that? So, uh, <laughs> exactly. I don't know if I want to, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what um, mistakes do you see authors making or what are the biggest uh, lessons learned uh, you see uh, from Selling Direct? The biggest mistake I see is people thinking they have to compete with Amazon. Mm. And... Oh, and another one too is they think they have to stop selling on the other retailers. Whatever you do, don't stop selling on the other retailers. <laughs> but, uh, it's an add-on. It's not an either-or, and it will take a while to build up the business. But don't try to compete with Amazon. Who can compete with Amazon? Like seriously, Correct. no one. And no one. And with their prime shipping. Now, I should mention. A lot of people say, I don't want to sell direct. I don't want to go to the post office. I don't go to the post office. I don't like leaving the house. I'm going to go to the <laughs> post office. But um, Lulu, people have heard of Lulu Direct, but there's a new one, Book Vault. Now, they've been around for a very long time. Like they print books for Oxford mm-hmm, University mm-hmm, Press, mm-hmm. but they now have a Shopify app, Book Vault. They print from England but they've recently introduced very cheap shipping rates to the US and they are will soon engage a printer in the US and Australia Mm. now currently Lulu Direct which is very expensive unlike Bookball which is exceptionally reasonable Lulu Direct will print and ship all over the world because they have people all over the world printers all over the world and they'll do it at local shipping rates so with print, you actually don't need to go to the post office because you upload your files to them, you have your description on Shopify or if you have a different storefront and 
they do everything. Even the shipping is calculated for you. You don't have to do a thing. You just upload your files and forget. Mm-hmm. But why I said that, people say, oh, I can't sell print on my, from my website because I can't compete with Amazon. Amazon isn't the only bookstore in the world. Look at all the bookstores out there that are selling and they're not like crying into their soup saying, I can't compete with Amazon. You don't need to compete with Amazon. Do your own thing. Set your own prices. People will buy. People do buy print from you. Mm -hmm. It will happen. Like I sell a lot of print and I don't have people saying, oh, you know, I was going to buy from you but I can get it delivered tomorrow by Prime. Yeah. Right. Well, there are a lot of people who want to support authors and they or they yeah, want yeah. to be supporting the independent mm-hmm. creator. So mm-hmm. they're okay with waiting a couple of extra days. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm trying out Book Vault. I'm excited about it. Its prices oh, are nice. so much better. So I'm waiting yeah. for my copy to get here so I can see. I'm doing a test copy. So oh, it's a it looks great and I'm I'm so happy to have found it and I'm glad the word's kind of getting out about it. So I think that's terrific. Mm -hmm. That is great. Well, this has been awesome and so interesting and uh, it's made me think about a lot of things and I'm sure it has our listeners too, but Morgana, can you tell us what you think the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success has been? Oh gosh. Well, the worst thing I have done <laughs> is to be a rat on a treadmill. Mm-hmm. And I also did too many series. I should have, I wish I'd known not to do too many series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't know what the best thing I've done to, you know what I think it is? That I had a go. Mm-hmm. I just had a go and I got over that. I think a lot of authors, because a lot of us introverts feel, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And if we just have a go and get over that hurdle, mm-hmm. I think that's the best thing I have done mm-hmm. is just have a crack at it. Is that an Australian expression or do you say I think have a go is an Australian is- expression, but, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love it. But, yeah, just just try it. And, I mean, yeah. what's the worst? What's the worst? You might lose a little money. But in most cases, you won't, or you can fix. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, for me, it's all all about the fixing. So um, <laughs> I think for all of us, it is. Yeah. That it's yeah. like yeah. you have to give it a try because mm-hmm. you can theorize and plan. Mm-hmm. But until you actually do it, there are many things that you won't learn. Right. Because you need right. to actually have the experience of doing it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, so before we go, tell us about, you have a book about direct sales. Oh, yeah. And also a course, right? Yes, I have a book. The course is a teachable course on pre-order for authors selling on Shopify. And it's released on, I'm still accepting people up till the 30th of September. And I have a book, Stop Making Others Rich, How Authors Can Make Bank Selling Direct. And... Great. I love that title. <laughs> yeah, because I like I always I always thought like, you know, you sell on retailers, you run ads to that retailer, you mm-hmm. go to your product page, what do you see? You see mm-hmm. your book, but then you see 40 other books. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're paying for all that. You're yeah. paying for the business. Yes. Business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So your courses, you can sign up and a pre-order on the course until September 30th, right? 
And then your book is out now because I have a copy. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I recommend it. Yeah, it's available in ebook, paperback, and the workbook's available in paperback and spiral bound, and it's also available in audio. Okay, that's great. Well, we will have links to all that and to your website so people can go take a look and kind of see how you've set up your website. And it will all be at wishidknownthenpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast and to Adriel Wiggins for uh, doing all the admin. So thanks for being here. It's great to talk to you and we'll see everybody next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.